Welcome to TheJournal.ie's The Explainer, where every week we take a deep dive into a different news story. I'm Sinead O'Carroll, and this week, what are holidays for the rest of 2021 going to look like? Everyone's normal is different. For some, things will feel close to right again when they're at a packed and loud festival. For others, it'll be four deep at a bar ordering a pint. For more of us, entering the turnstiles to a non-socially distant Croke Park. But for many, normality won't resume until they can hop on a plane again. That's to visit family abroad or simply to get off this island and adventure somewhere else, anywhere else. The EU's digital COVID certs have started landing in people's inboxes and letterboxes. But what freedoms do they actually allow potential travellers? And what about those without the certs yet? Is the 19th of July still the date where we get the green light for non-essential travel? And what are our obligations when we get back to Ireland? There's obviously those few things to think about for you potential travellers. For me, I'm sticking to a trip to Kerry this year, although I did get a first pang in my heart for travel on seeing a busy grey New York on the telly the other night. To keep us up to date on all the rules, I'm joined by our own producer and author of the journal's coronavirus newsletter, Nikki Ryan, and travel writer and expert Owen Curry. Thanks a mil for joining us, guys. And Nikki, I'm going to start with you because I mentioned the date of the 19th of July there. Is that the date when we actually can start doing non-essential travel yet and still play within the rules? Well, although the government and the public health experts would have really have preferred you to stick to staycations over the past year and a half or so, or no staycations at all when we were in the tough lockdowns, there hasn't really been much stopping you from going on holidays to certain countries, as long as you stick to the quarantine and testing requirements on return, which, needless to say, would have put a lot of people off. And the vast majority of people would have stuck to the public health advice, given the threat COVID posed was enough to put people off. But the simple answer to your question is, yeah, as you said, the 19th of July, um, up until now, the Department of Foreign Affairs has advised against travel for non-essential reasons. But from that date, that will be lifted. So you'll essentially be able to travel abroad for recreational reasons. And that's going to be welcome news for anyone who's feeling a little bit of cabin fever. Yeah. So where does the digital COVID cert come into play? So it's essentially a way of restoring free movement across the European Union and the European economic area. And how it works is pretty simple. It's a document and with a QR code that proves one of three things. Either you're fully vaccinated, you've had a COVID infection in the past six months and so are considered immune, or you've had a recent negative test result or not detected result, as it's sometimes called, to remind us that a negative test isn't a guarantee that we don't actually have COVID. So you can get a digital COVID certificate in one of three ways. If you're fully vaccinated, the relevant health authority, so for us in Ireland, that would be the HSC, can generate a travel cert for you and off you go. A lot of people are automatically receiving these in the post or by email already. Um, If you are fully vaccinated and haven't received your cert yet, check your spam folder in case it has landed there. And there will also be a helpline open from next week to help sort you out. The negative test result is also fairly straightforward, but you won't be able to get it through the normal HSC testing regime. So instead, you'll have to go to a private operator and there will be a list available of the companies approved to provide the service from gov.ie. Some countries accept both antigen and PCR tests. Others don't, like Ireland. So you could end up in a situation where you have an antigen test for outbound travel to certain countries, but you would need a PCR test for inbound travel back to Ireland. Antigen tests are valid for 48 hours and PCR tests are valid for 72 hours. Now, proving immunity, as people probably have heard in, in, the, in the headlines this week, is a little bit more tricky um, and it has been a source of a lot of confusion. So the basics are that you'll, now this is the basics from an EU perspective, is that you'll need to have had a COVID infection in the past 180 days and you'll be able to get a cert to say you're immune from COVID, true infection, 
11 days after that positive result. So because it's a little evidence of onward transmission 11 days after you get that positive result. I don't want to go into the back and forth over who is meant to be issuing these certs as there was so much, so much confusion during the week and there still is a little bit of confusion. But at the time of recording, you'll be able to call that helpline I just mentioned and they'll be able to get you sorted with your immunity cert. So when you're talking there about the vaccine cert, the recovery cert or the test cert, they're actually all the same thing. They are a digital COVID cert. They're just proving different things depending on your circumstances. But what if you don't want to use this digital COVID cert at all for whatever reason, but you still want to or need to be able to prove that you're immune or that you have a negative test or that you've been vaccinated? Can you do it in a different way? Well, that is absolutely fine because um, basically the digital COVID certificate is not a travel document per se. It just helps you with your travel. Um, so if you go abroad, and you don't have your digital COVID certificate. It could cause delays at the airport because basically you can bring proof of vaccination, proof of um, a negative test result or proof that you've recovered from COVID. Um, but essentially staff will need to examine that document and there could be delays if they need to verify it. And, you know, that, there's nothing to say that they may have some issues with whatever you bring with you. So essentially, you know, the little vaccine card that many people will have received to track their doses, that's fine as proof of vaccination. Most tests provided by private operators, they'll also provide you with a letter, you know, to say that you received the negative result. The recovery one is a little bit more tricky as, you know, if it's a letter from your doctor to say that you had COVID, that can come in a lot of different shapes and sizes. And if you're traveling to a foreign country, there may be issues in terms of them trying to figure out if this document is real or not. But basically, yeah, you don't need the digital COVID certificate to travel, but it makes things a lot easier if you do have it. Yeah, and some people might worry about their data. So this is obviously something that is EU-based. How secure is all of the data that is going to go into building that QR code for somebody? The, the core point here is that it doesn't rely on a centralized EU database or anything. And the data you provide is not retained by the airport when the QR code is scanned on your documents. So each cert will only contain your name, date of birth, the date that the, the cert was issued, the relevant information about, you know, your vaccine, your test or recovery and a unique identifier. So the body that issues that document, so it could be the HSE or private test operator, they hold your data and they generate this QR code. And essentially then the data will remain on the, on the certificate after that. It doesn't go anywhere. But as always, very few systems have the absolute most cutting edge encryption and security. So your data is only as secure as the people who generate the certificate make it, if you get me. So it's only as secure as the HSE servers, which, you know, haven't been the most secure in the past year, um, or also the private operator who will hold your information. But the basics are is that when you go to the airport, they don't take your information. They just scan the code and the computer says yes or the computer says no. And that's all that happens. Now, it's rare that Brexit doesn't complicate something. So obviously the UK is not in the EU anymore. And there's obviously a lot of Irish people in the UK who'd like to come home. And it's very similar for the US as well. What's the story there? Can people come from the US and the UK into Ireland now? I feel as though every podcast that we've recorded over the past year, it's like, and of course, Brexit <laughs> has caused some sort of complication among all of this. So yes, Brexit is causing complication, believe it or not. But from the 19th of July, if you are fully vaccinated and traveling from the UK to Ireland, you don't need a quarantine. You just bring your NHS vac vaccine card. If you're not fully vaccinated, you'll still need to abide by the self-quarantine rules. Now, travel from the US again. If you can prove you're fully vaccinated, there's no quarantine. If you can't, you have to quarantine and provide a negative test result taken before arrival. In both cases, 
I'm hesitant to say what the advice is for children, as it's not crystal clear, but the basic gist of it is that children aged between 6 and 17 will likely need to have a test result, a negative test result from before traveling, and they may need to self-isolate or they possibly will only need a second test after arrival. But look, it's all up in the air. It's not set in stone, unfortunately, yet at the time of recording. If you're traveling to the UK from Ireland, you don't need a test or quarantine. And then traveling to the US is still near impossible if you're not a citizen. And what about other non-EU countries then? So look, in terms of inbound travel to the EU and the European economic area, a lot of different rules apply. So I'll speak for Ireland here. Um, And if you have proof that you're fully vaccinated um, from most countries, um, there's no test requirements or quarantine requirements. If you don't have this proof, you'll need a test result from before traveling. You'll need a self-quarantine and you'll need to undergo the usual further testing. So there's also our mandatory hotel quarantine um, system will still be in place and there'll be the list of designated countries from which if you arrive in Ireland from those countries, you'll need to quarantine. There's also an emergency break system that's in operation at an EU level where it is a variant of concern in a certain country that at an EU level, countries can say, right, we're going to introduce stricter requirements for people traveling to this country. If that's the case and you're fully vaccinated, you'll need a test from before arrival to quarantine at home and then to be tested again. But if you're not fully vaccinated, you'll need to go into hotel quarantine if you're traveling from one of those um, emergency break countries. And then traveling abroad from Ireland to non-EU, EEA countries, it just depends on the country. So that was, I was going to ask you just to be clear, if I'm not vaccinated and I go anywhere in Europe, will I have to quarantine? So really, it depends on the rules. <laughs> Completely. As in, the digital COVID certificate makes a very nice level playing field in one way but each country still makes their own rules they have the final say as in how ireland doesn't accept antigen tests will only accept pcr tests and in the same way each country can put quarantine requirements on people arriving from certain regions if they deem that to be appropriate so for one example ireland's 14-day incidence rate has gone above 150 per 100,000, which means that Estonia is going to add Ireland to its list of high-risk countries, and that brings in some quarantine requirements. Um, And then Denmark makes no mention whatsoever of quarantine. Some people may still be required to take more tests after arrival, but there's no real emphasis on quarantine in Denmark. And then in Belgium, if they deem you to be coming from an extremely high-risk region, you won't be able to enter unless you're a citizen or resident. So look, there are still hoops to jump through. But there is a website that makes this all very, very easy. It's reopen.europa.eu, not reopen.eu, as some ministers have actually said this week. That's a completely different website. Don't go to that one. Reopen.europa.eu. So basically, you can go there and it will list the different countries, the different requirements. And you can even put in where you're traveling from, where you're traveling to, and it will explain basically those hoops you have to jump through. So there are a lot of hoops, but for most of the time, there's fewer thanks to the digital COVID certificate. Oh, and hearing all those rules there, you know, there is there is definitely ways if people, you know, want it. And I have friends who definitely want to get out on a plane as quickly as possible. And they're, you know, looking at those websites, making sure they have the rules correct. But how big is the Irish appetite for travel right now? It seems to be very big. The surveys show up uh, that we've, we're really anxious to get back. Um, the confusion about different regulations has probably calmed that. Also, there's been oh, government attempts just to calm down the whole appetite for travel. For instance, when the date of July the 19th emerged in May, 
there was quite a, a drive of bookings. Uh, surge is too strong a word, but it came from a very low base with both the airlines, travel agents. And that calmed down a little bit in June as people talked about confusion. You can overstate the confusion. The reality is that um, the Europe has a coherent travel policy put in place since July the 1st. And while there will be individual countries that will look for certain regulations for the unvaccinated, the number of unvaccinated presumably will shrink in the coming weeks. Yeah, I felt that as well, that some sometimes the confusion was over-talked. Like if you actually did want to go on holidays, the information was there for you to look it up. And you can actually go cut it down, cut to the chase. There's two countries where you 70% of leisure trips go to, and that's Spain and Portugal. They're pretty uh, straightforward. They moved from um, PCR to antigen tests for the unvaccinated about a month ago, and both of them raised that the age from six to 12, under which uh, an antigen test is not required. Obviously, the Southern European holiday destinations are more enthusiastic about travel generally than the Northern European. And some of the Scandinavian countries would be like us, quite hesitant. Some countries are slower to get the technology in place, but most of them have, actually. I think Romania is the only one that's sort of staggering along a little bit. And uh, as Nikki says, the rates have to be watched because we, if our rate starts rising, riding high as it has been, uh, the country, some of the dest- some of the sub- major destinations we go to also have been riding high. Uh, we are the fourth highest in Europe after Cyprus, Spain and Portugal. So local restrictions will start kicking into place. All of this changes quite quickly, but the days when uh, things would change overnight and people would have to rush home, the sort of stuff we saw with the uh, English and Portugal quite recently, that has pretty much, that's they've come to an end. There has to be a proper uh, warning system put in place for within the European Union. Now, outside the European Union, it's very different. The emergency brake system uh, will apply there. Where we could change things overnight. And obviously, places like Brazil and South Africa are almost uh, un- un- unreachable at the moment in terms of uh, the health regulations. But the emergency brake system only applies to non-EU countries. That hasn't been clear in some of the media messaging. And just to go back to the actual travel experience, then, if people have booked their flights and they are heading off somewhere after the 19th, what has changed about the actual experience of traveling on a plane or being in an airport since 2020? What what should they expect? A lot has changed. And then at the other side, very little has changed. Sinead, it's like our first flight again. We're all kids again. We're a bit nervous going to the airport. What's it going to be like? The major one is mask. Um Wearing a mask over the course of the flight is uncomfortable, there's no doubt. The only time you're allowed to take it off is when you're eating or drinking. It is policed. Uh, people will uh, call for you to put your mask on uh, from the cabin crew because airlines don't want to put their cabin crew at risk. And that is, if for a two-hour flight to, for instance, Malaga, that isn't probably the biggest deal. But when you go be canaries four and a half hours beyond uh, wearing the mask on the flight, that's the single biggest change. The process of um, getting on board, going through those checks has been made so much simpler that, uh, by the introduction of the digital COVID certificate. The technology is awesome. Airlines like Ryanair will allow you to upload the digital COVID certificate to their app so that when you come to the gate, uh, listeners will be very familiar with scanning in your QR code for your boarding pass. You then just touch the top of that and up pops the QR code for your digital COVID certificate. 
The digital COVID certificate is also uploadable to the iPhone wallet device. So it's very easily found on your phone. And uh, Android, there's uh, su suggestions that the, there will be four different systems to upload it to Android. And also from July the 19th, the Irish government is thinking of bringing in their own app as well. So you have all of this amazing, uh, you know, a lot of documentation, a lot of information that would be sheaths of paper long ago, all in your QR code. And they will look for it twice. They look for it at the gate in the airport and they look for it when you arrive at immigration. They just want to know that you're, you're clear to go under the health regulations. That cuts through all the paraphernalia, all the regulations, the different, the, 20, the Rubik's, what used to be the Rubik's Cube of 27 different countries with different sets of regulations. And the, even if you're not uh, vaccinated, the information from your test, it's generally antigen outbound and PCR uh, on return will be in that QR code as well. So a lot of the um, extra stress with documentation, all probably not removed completely, but at least it's brought uh, under one roof or one QR code, if that's not a mixed metaphor. What will happen at the airport is you're masked through the airport. Uh, the, the only time you get to take it off is in the eating and drinking um, facilities. Airport traffic has risen substantially in the last two weeks. And we're now going, we're now over 100 flights a day, whereas it was down to about 20 in uh, February and March. And that's dealing with Dublin Airport, Shannon and Cork are very much below normal as well. So what uh, the airport experience is going to be much the same, but retail has been reopening, a lot of it was closed and the other outlets have been open, reopening, a lot of them were closed. On the return, there probably will be a little bit extra at immigration because of the issue of the uh, people arriving with uh, inadequate uh, documentation has slowed things down a little bit um, in recent weeks. And as people, more people get used to it, I'd expect that to speed up. But remember, people have been arriving with the Euro digital COVID uh, certificate in Dublin airport since July the 1st. A little bit of trouble the first day because the Immigration didn't really know how to respond to it, but they have been landing and people, they, we have been reading it okay. Yeah, so we're a few weeks behind some of the other countries in, in getting this going. Are there any examples of situations where people might be caught out on arrival because of individual requirements? Most important is uh, locator forms. They are the bit that aren't on the digital COVID certificate. Every country has a version of one. The links are usually on the airline website, but sometimes the links are quite obscure and they, it does, they do take a bit of searching. So make sure you, um, before you go to the airport, have done that one search, locator form for whatever country you're going to. That can change uh, from country to country. Uh, Spain and Portugal have locator forms that are pretty straightforward. And most of them are, are they're on all the major airlines have them on their websites. Um, Germany, for instance, will change it according to the region in Ireland. To give an example, Midlands and Midlands East last Sunday went from being no risk to a basic risk, the lowest uh, grade of risk. And that's happening because our case numbers, as Nikki alluded to, are rising, rising quite rapidly. And they, um, if that's the case, you do need just to put in your name and passport number and date of birth so that they uh, know that you're coming. Uh, as if, you're, if you have the information of the test or the vaccination and the QR code, there's no restriction. But it's again, it's another little thing to watch before you travel. 
travel got really easy, Sinead, um, in the last 20 years. So I would have been old enough to remember requiring a visa to go anywhere east of uh, Berlin. And, you know, a lot of African countries, you still need visas for a lot of, you need yellow fever passes, things like that. So what this is, is a regression, but it's certainly not a regression to the huge amount of paperwork and stress and visa requirements and things like that that we were some people some listeners old enough to remember would remember from before the days of the Ryanair revolution and the advent of low-cost travel yeah and one of the things that strikes me about uh, holidaying at the moment as well is that we kind of probably think that you know things are very closed here um and maybe if we go somewhere else the the rules will be so different and there'll be loads of freedom but what can people expect when they actually go, say, to the most popular destinations of Spain and Portugal? Most places open uh, much more than us. They, they, you know, you could overstate it as well. They, they didn't open uh, for a long time. They, you know, they, they, four or six weeks ahead of us, which isn't a hell of a lot, you know, in the great scheme of things. So they're a bit more used to it, the policing of the restaurants and masking indoors and outdoors. Some, some of the places that opened restaurants, for instance, required masks masks outdoors which we didn't uh, nightclubs opened effectively through spain and portugal about a month ago but this is important the um, nightclubs have been closing in particular regions again because politicians uh, and health officials uh, in ireland are no different from their counterparts in across europe they've been to hell and back they're not going to sacrifice everything for the sake of um this a, a great reopening which endangers their own population and uh, we've seen regional uh, closures not um they tend not to be the bars and restaurants there tends to be a a lot of has been learned over the last year about bar and restaurant and uh, but nightclubs are one of the things that do get closed early there is a huge problem and it became apparent in summer of 2020 with alcohol and covid uh, it wasn't you don't really need to be a rocket scientist to know that the more people drink the less they're likely to adhere to social distancing but it went to extremes in spain when we had english uh, holidaymakers jumping on car bonnets and things like that so they uh, spanish in particular have been policing that in the resorts uh, pretty strictly. They have also been marking out beaches and uh, swimming pool use has to be booked, all of those sort of things. They're extreme conveniences. Uh, certainly they're not the sort of uh, laissez-faire uh, freedom holidays that we had before, but um, we're, there, well, a lot has been learned from last summer and the opening months of 2021. And I can say with certainty, you can expect every country in Europe to be more open than you find Ireland is at the moment, particularly on indoor dining is a big issue for the inbound tourism, for instance. Yeah, so more open, but still rules. You'll still probably have to wear masks. You'll still probably be outside in some settings. You'll still have to book. Uh, absolutely. Uh, masks indoors and regional restrictions can kick in uh, quite quickly, you know, and uh, the ones, the, the you know, it, it don't, it, hotel, and hotel guests tend not to notice them as much. Uh, it tends to be in the general uh, outer, the, the bars uh, are, the bars are the ones that are the source of so many problems right throughout Europe. Another very important thing, Sinead, is that the hotspots of COVID, and this is true all through 2020, have not been holiday regions. Uh, they have tended to be um, the less affluent suburbs of the major cities. That's the 
unfortunate way, class distinction of COVID that uh, we saw in our own country and in uh, every other country in the world that uh, it tends not to be uh, the sort of uh, trendier parts of Europe that have got hit. It tends to be um, in the less affluent suburbs. So when you see case rates in a country riding high, as they did for particularly February, March, where Portugal went through what we went through in January, uh, Portugal went through in March. It tended to be um, uh, urban suburbs that where the problems are lay. And in terms of like we need, we know we need a PCR test for coming back to Ireland. Is getting a private test a lot more common, or is it the done thing in other EU countries? Just thinking that a lot of them have antigen test re- regimes now. Outbound, it's almost exclusively antigen. There, you know, everywhere has moved. We've learned a lot about antigen tests in the last years as well. Um, the inbound, the PCR test is a, f- f- quite easy to get. A lot of countries are doing them free for holidaymakers for their return to try and boost their tourism. And a lot of them, you can get them, pick them up very handy in um, pharmaceutical, in pharmacy uh, outlets. Now, um, outbound, the, the cost of a, P, a, a test outbound is pretty straightforward. There are two major suppliers, uh, RockDoc charge €95 Euro and uh, Randox charge €90, Euro, both of them available at Dublin Airport and Cork Airport. Um, one of them is in Shannon Airport and the other is in Limerick City nearby. And the antigen test is €45 Euro outbound. Not a hell of a lot when you consider what people spend on retail or whatever. Uh, as I say, some countries are paying for... Um, the tests for people who require them to travel um, in to, for to boost their tourism, and some countries have this sort of uh, vaccinated only policy, which uh, could curtail uh, travel immensely you know, until more a bigger cohort of the population gets vaccinated. I know some of the Mediterranean countries not allowing unvaccinated at all because they're so worried about rates going high. They tend to be the countries with the lowest. Uh, case rates that do that. And we touched on it earlier, but what about tests for children? Are they generally needed to go to uh, these holiday destinations in the EU? Yeah, the consensus across Europe has been um, 12 years of age, uh, under 12, they don't need a test. Uh, Some of the Northern European countries are still six, including us. Germany is still six, for instance. Slovakia is 17, which is the highest. But uh, some countries have this sort of, uh, well, if you're we're not that interested in teenagers, um, you know, like Malta and places like that. Uh, with Spain, Portugal, let's come back to the key ones here. They're seventy percent of our outbound, and the teenagers will have to be tested. They'll have to have that antigen test. Um, the question of family holidays has haunted. Uh, the regulations. Every tourism minister in Europe wants to see families arriving, but the way the vaccination rollout uh, was always going to happen. Uh, teenagers are going to be last in the queue. Yeah, so if you've booked a holiday based on certain restrictions being lifted, but then they're reimposed, so you know something has gone awry in a country, um, and and restrictions are are back in place, will your travel insurance cover that holiday, or will you be out of pocket? Generally, the travel insurance will cover your infection from COVID and treatment, and having uh, if you fail a test and you can can't return on the date that you are supposed to. Very important. Your common or garden travel insurance, the one, the uh, 80 euro a year one, the cheapest that you can get, probably won't have that clause in it. But we've seen uh, companies embracing COVID and putting in this COVID clause. So uh, if restrictions change, uh, different rules apply. And only 
what general advice would you have to people now who are going abroad or who want to go abroad and are kind of hemming and hawing about whether they're going to book or not? Digital COVID certificate has cleared the all the up all the questions and all the different uh, worries and the regula- about regulations. All that Rubik's cube of twenty seven different countries implying their different regulations. Um, the, the, that's all come to a halt. It's what we should have done probably a year ago, but what uh, won't it won't be uh, the airlines and it won't be government health policy that will unlock. Uh, travel. It will be the consumer who will decide to go. We'll see terrific fares, there are already terrific fares. You can fly for a fiver to many northern European destinations in in July for, uh, with Ryanair. So uh, the airfares are being put in place by the airlines. The governments have said that, uh, you're free to go. It'll be the consumer, it'll be word of mouth, it'll be the first people coming back and saying, what's it like to fly masked? What's it like to go to a resort where uh, you, you know, you've different. You've got social distancing and tables placed apart, and uh, you know the restaurant chairs are all spilt onto the street, as it has been happening across Spain and Portugal. Like everything else in Ireland, it will be word of mouth that will get people moving, and we could see people moving in August and September. But we've been very much slower. To give an example, sixty-five percent of the uh, of air capacity uh, air across Europe, air capacity across Europe is back up to sixty-five percent of where it was in twenty nineteen. We're back up to thirty percent. We are very uh, far behind on this. Well, that is a big difference and a nice explainer stat. Thank you. Where are you off to, Owen? Where's your first trip, or maybe not first trip? Where's your next trip? Yeah, well, I'll be travelling uh, pretty soon after July the 19th. And it's, sadly, none of it will be leisure. It'll all be work-related. Uh, but there is, uh, if, if because of what I do, I do see hol- uh, holiday destinations. A lot of it will be dealing with uh, tourist board uh, updates and uh, just to see how the aviation works and how the resorts work in those different countries. Uh, the, the sort of places I love to go to, I always do the standard Spain's Portugal's uh, for the, every year. And I treat myself to somewhere exotic like Papua New Guinea or Namibia or something like that once or twice a year. I don't think that'll be happening for a long while. No, I wouldn't think so. And as I said, I am going to stick with Kerry this year. Um, But I am excited to see and hear of the travels of other people heading off from the 19th of July. Own Nikki, thanks so much for coming in. And Nikki, thanks in particular for doing your double jobbing again. Thank you for listening to The Explainer. And a big thank you to Nikki and Own for joining us again today. This episode of The Explainer was brought to you by our producers Aoife Barry and Nikki Ryan. If you want to support The Explainer, there's a few things you can do. Head to thejournal.ie forward slash contribute to become a monthly subscriber. But you can also leave us a review and rating wherever you listen to your podcasts. It's a really, really, really great way to make sure other people can discover the podcast, listen to it and love it as well. Thank you and catch you next time.